The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte, the true Queen City. I'm Doug Branson. A big announcement here. David will be back next week. That's right. But joining me this evening, very special guest, guest host here. He covers the Hornets for ESPN 730, Justin Thomas. Justin, welcome back to the show, my friend. I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm glad you uh, you would have me again. So it's always a good day when I can talk basketball. Always good to have Justin in here. You can listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. also want to tell you about a little app. Not a little app. It's really changing the game here. It's called... You talk, the letter U talk. If you love talking sports and want to talk all things Charlotte Hornets with Hive Talk Live, then you have to check out this new app called You Talk. You Talk lets you broadcast your voice with your smartphone and literally talk sports with other fans. Imagine Twitter, but with audio and only for hardcore sports fans. You can join the Hive Talk Live station on the You Talk app. And come talk all things Buzz City with us, 24-7, 365. Listeners of Hive Talk Live can get early access before the app officially launches by going to utalk.io forward slash beta. That's utalk.io forward slash beta and signing up or tweet at utalk.io on Twitter. The Utalk team will get you on board. I just did a Utalk and I, I previewed the show. I put it on Twitter, so we'll do that. But we can also do some halftime U-talks, some post-game U-talks, that kind of thing. And again, you can get involved and you talk us back. So definitely check that out. And with that, I say, let's swarm Charlotte. All right, here with Justin Thomas again from ESPN 730. And we got to recap this week. Sometimes I gloss over a few games, what have you. But I think, Justin, all three of these games signaled something about this team. So let's uh, start with the Warriors against uh, the Hornets. It was a home game for the Hornets, a special home game because uh, Steph Curry came to town. So that was a big deal. But also they honored his father, Dale Curry, at halftime. Very nice ceremony. And then Steph... He comes out for the halftime ceremony and then goes into the third quarter and puts on a ceremony uh, of his own. I mean, he's just amazing. I don't, I don't know what, what to say. What can you say? I, I, you just watch him, and you think you might have something to say or, or somebody you could compare him to, but I would just like to keep it short and simple and, and say it's remarkable. I've never seen anything like it. I think what stood out to me was that he came out for the halftime ceremony. You know, again, you think about these extreme competitors like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, these these elite-focused competitors, and they wanted to stay in the zone all the time. But Curry just comes out for this halftime ceremony, then, you know, kind of goes back in, shakes some hands, goes back into uh, the, the, the away locker room, and then comes out and puts on a show. I mean, to me, 
That's the amazing thing is that he can do all this with a smile and a wink. Crazy. I think that makes it frustrating for a lot of people. <laughs> Bro, it's know? amazing to me. Frustrate. You know, it's funny. I, I think a lot of fans, I won't say a lot, but I think some fans were upset by this loss and, and even including producer Katie. And I said, look, it's like, it's like getting stuck in a random rainstorm without an umbrella. Like you can't, you can't be upset. You can be a little like, ugh, all right. It was you, nothing they could do. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It was, it was literally. You can't anticipate that. Nothing they could do. Um, it, I think the entire game was summed up in the video that went viral of uh, Kimba trying to right. uh, trying to stop Craig from getting to the lane and his expletive of where um, is the help at. And nobody had an answer. Yeah, I, I think there was a certain intensity level that the Hornets would have to achieve to to compete with the Warriors, and they didn't quite reach that intensity level for whatever reason. It, you know, of course, they didn't have Big Al, so there was probably a little bit of an adjustment there. But yeah, I mean, Kimball was right. I mean, he wasn't talking abstractly. I mean, there were instances where the help defense didn't get there fast enough, but they've been doing that to a, a number of teams. Everyone. Every team they've played, that they've gotten ahead of the help defense and been able to knock shots down, and that's why they're, what, 23-0 and 0 now. Crazy. We had a listener question about this game. Justin, want to toss this out to you. He basically asked us on Twitter, th- there's this whole idea of come home Curry, you know, bring Steph Curry home, but there's no bring home Hassan Whiteside, who is certainly not on Steph Curry's level, but has been a force in the NBA since he made his sudden uh, um, sudden appearance in Miami, and he's from Gastonia, North Carolina. So we'll pose it like, why is there this come home Curry, but really no come home Whiteside? I think the only, the only people that's going to know Whiteside are, are true basketball fans. You, you have to watch basketball. He, he's not a household name. Yes, he is growing in popularity, but he's not a household name. And people in Charlotte for a number of years now have been under the delusion that Steph Curry is coming to Charlotte. Oh God. Okay. You're already you're already siding with, with Nada Edwards and on this. I I would just like to tell people <laughs> you might as well let that ship sail. Um and what makes it worth with, with White Side is he's in he's in South Beach. He has a point guard, and he has Justice Winslow. I couldn't forget about Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. So not only do they have a good team, they have young pieces. And Whiteside, I think, would be great in Charlotte. Sadly, maybe if he was in Milwaukee with with a lesser talented team, I think it would be, I think it'd be realistic. I think they could make a push. But Charlotte's great, but South Beach is that's a that's a entire different monster. And then with a better with a better supporting cast, maybe down the line that might happen, but in the in the near future, that's not happening. I would question overall a better supporting cast. I think obviously you have Dwayne Wade, who's who's a superstar talent, but he's on the decline. Goran Dragic is a star talent, hasn't played up to his potential. Chris Bosh, again, probably more on the way down than on the way up. So I think upside in terms of Hassan Whiteside's future. There could be more possibilities in Charlotte. But just going back to the question, I think the reason, other than the obvious reason that Steph Curry is amazing and a one-of-a-kind guy, 
I think that there's more come home Curry than come home Whiteside because there's a lineage with Curry, with Del Curry, his dad uh, being the the first Hornet and being an ambassador for the team. So there seems to be that connection there that could draw Steph Curry back home. Plus, Steph is very involved with the Panthers and and he's very involved in the community here still. And so again, there's that connection. Whereas Hassan, I'm not I'm not saying by any stretch that he's disowned this area or anything, but there's just not that visible connection other than the fact that I proclaim on the show that he is the the pride of Gastonia, North Carolina, because that's my hometown. So, you know, anytime uh, Gastonia can produce talent, also the hometown, I don't know if you know this, James Worthy and Daryl Armstrong. I didn't know that. Who both graduated from my high school, Ashbrook High School, Go Green Wave. So that, there you go. That's impressive. So there is a basket. Yeah, there's a basketball um, talent. And then, of course, Sleepy Floyd, who a lot of um, you know basketball fans from, from your will remember uh, and played against James Worthy in the national championship game, Georgetown and UNC, uh, uh, went to Hunter Huss High School. These are all Gastonia products. Gastonia products. What? I, I've i had no idea about you this. You didn't know that you were going to come on the show and get a little history lesson of Gastonia I had no basketball. Idea, but you, you, it's always, you can always learn. So there's a good thing in that. I had no idea about that. I'm, I'm glad you informed me on that. There you go. So uh, just getting back to this game to wrap it up, basically, I mean, I think it just came down to the Hornets. They, they tried to, to bring it, they tried to bring the shooting, and Kimball Walker wasn't feeling it. Uh, Nicholas Batum couldn't really get into a groove. There, there was just a lot of shooting issues, and and of course, you know they they hung around, hung around. Clay Thompson was amazing in the first quarter, and they just offered too many weapons there. So they do fall to the Golden State Warriors. Didn't put up as much of a fight as they did against Cleveland. Let's move on to this second game, though. So here's the theme from this whole season: is that they they lose to a really good team, whether it be. Miami or whether it be Cleveland or Golden State, all elite teams in the East or in the case of Golden State in the West. And then they respond and the Hornets respond in this one, getting the win 102 to 96. What did you see in this game against the Bulls? You know, as as I watched the game, I, I knew it was going to be close because, I mean, for the, I would believe the past, past two years, past two, three years, the Hornets, they were always make good games with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And I think that a trend that followed them over the course of those years is they weren't great at closing. They they just didn't really close out games. And we're in a game where I felt it was an important game because the Bulls are a good team and you need confidence. Granted, this is an extremely confident bunch, but to keep that confidence, you have to win. And closing out games is a big part of winning basketball games. And when it came down to the stretch, the Hornets, they proved made me wrong. big buckets. They, they made they, big buckets. And when you can do that, you can win in this league. And that was that's a very quality win. They've beat Chicago two of the three times they've played. Yeah, and, and I think that the big thing in this game, obviously Kimba hit a dagger there late, but there are multiple guys on this team who can come up with big buckets in the fourth quarter, and several, several guys were able to do that in this game. Uh, Kimba Walker, great game, 7 of 6 from the – 7 of 16 – from the field for 17 points. Nick Batum, 8 of 16 from the field, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. He continues a great year. And then we have to talk about Cody Zeller, who started a little breakout in this game and really got physical in this game with with Pau Gasol and, you know, showed that maybe, just maybe, 
putting him at the five spot is more in his wheelhouse. What made that that special is after the Golden State loss, Clifford, he wasn't pleased to say the least. Right. He he questioned their toughness and 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 did they want it? And Cody has always been, you know, a, a high energy guy. The effort is always there. He can do a lot of things for you. Not great at anything, but he can do some things well. And last year I, I spoke to Cody because I feel like he's taking a step each year. Like his rookie year, he he seemed a bit lost at times, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Then next year, his uh, his second year, you know, he'd get he'd get an open look and he'd take the shot, whether he made it or not. He had the confidence to take it. Then he had a few few good games last year, and you're like, okay, I, I see Cody Zeller. I think he can be something. And then on a game where they need his toughness, you're not having Al Jefferson, and he comes out and and puts together a very good performance, 20-plus points, and he was all over the place. Yeah, and this one he had 17 points, 8 rebounds. He would, he would follow that up uh, against the Pistons with that 20-plus point game. And he had one block shot, and I thought his defense was great, too. I mean, he's just—you're right. The energy, I think, is what stands out the most. And he has a certain confidence now about where—not only where he is on the floor, but where he wants to go. And and I'll give credit here to Spencer Percy, who pointed out that Cody Zeller may be one of the better screeners in this league, using those wide hips— to disrupt guys, and, and we see it a lot with the Nick Batum, Cody Zeller handoff tour 2015. I mean, these guys are working together, and Cody Zeller is able to make things happen, whether it's a high screen, whether it's a screen in the high post. He's able to screen in a lot of different places, a lot of different ways, show defenses a lot of different looks, and and now he's finally starting to knock down his outside shot. And if he can start to do that, uh, then you're going to see a jump. You're going that to see can, a, a mi- probably scary. a mini leap. Not a, not a giant leap, but a mini leap, which, which he's been making, like you said, over his career, he's been making these little mini leaps. Baby steps in the right direction. And even when he was in Indiana, you you saw you knew he had a skill set. But, you know, making that jump from college to pros, um, it's a real jump. Uh, some guys get there and they're shell-shocked and they end up in the D-League. And those they're not big steps. They have been quantitative leaps, but he's act, he's moving in the right direction. And um, what made it great is you can tell. Like I talked to him last year, and he was he was just saying, you know, coming in this season, you know, it's just a process. Um, I'm getting stronger. Um, I'm, I'm seeing the way that the game is changing. I understand I have to be able to knock down some shots. He's stepping away from the basket. He doesn't always make them, but I think what is important about him taking those shots is the confidence. Because eventually, the more you take him, your confidence is going to grow. And then he's going to eventually be able to knock that down consistently. If Zeller could average anywhere from 8 to 12 points, he's going to at least get 6 off a hustle alone. He knocks down a couple of jump shots. They already have good spacing as it is. And that just that would add another dimension. I think that would be really special for this team. Yeah, he's not only finding little pockets to get his jump shots. He's getting putbacks. He's running the floor. He beat Andre Drummond easily down the floor several times during the game against the Pistons. Made made Drummond look tired. Made him look like he didn't want to run. And so, again, he can find different effort ways to score 
because he's not a guy he has kind of a slow release on his jump shot so he's not a guy that's going to you know shoot over the over the top of someone or or find a jump shot he's really got to effort his way into points and and he's able to do that now again because he's getting more physical and he's getting more confident so again the hornets pick up the win 102-96 another important thing about this bulls game just real quickly is that the starters finally it seemed like the bench was always having to pick up the slack for the starters but in this game, the starters went head-to-head with Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and Pau Gasol and, and came out the, the victors. And I think that's an important step for this team. In my mind, it's the biggest win of the season because you, you could have easily, if you're the Hornets, crumbled after that Warriors loss. It was, a, it was a little bit demoralizing in front of a huge home crowd for that to happen, for them to travel and get a big win against a Bulls team that's going to be a top four team in the East. I agree. Is a huge step for this. And again, doing it with the starters performing at a high level, very important for this team. Because Clifford argued for forever that, you know, the local media that we were wrong, that the bench was outplaying the starters. But finally, the starters came to bat for their coach. That, finally. Yeah. It took yeah. it took long enough, right? Yeah, exactly. And and again, it wasn't against the 76ers. It was against the Chicago Bulls. And I think, again, it's going to be important as this team moves forward for the starters to play well. Because you're not always going... I think the bench has been playing at a much... They've been overachieving. They've been playing at a much higher yeah. level than, than you would expect the bench to play. All right, let's move on to this final game again last night against um, the Detroit Pistons, who... Mind you, we're on a four-game winning streak, feeling good. Reggie Jackson playing at an extremely high level. Andre Drummond, we know, is like a 2020 threat. And this guy's amazing. And there were a lot of people calling for this game to be, uh, you you know, a pretty pretty easy game for the Pistons because Andre Drummond in the game, you don't have Big Al, you don't have that big body, and the Hornets haven't been. They, They rebounded well against the Bulls. But over the past five to seven games, they haven't rebounded very well. This one looked like it was going to go the Pistons' way. But guess what? The Hornets brought it. Physically, they now, brought it. this, I believe, is the best one of the oh, season. Oh, you like this one? I do because I, I honestly, I was like, I figured they could beat the Bulls. I knew they would have a chance. But when it came to the Pistons, I was like, the Pistons are on a four-game winning streak. You know, Big Al is missing. You know, their best rebounder, um, that, that big body. You know, Cody, Cody's seven feet, but, you know, he's thin. Um, Spencer Haas, he's not going to be able to do too much against Drummond. And there's Kaminsky, and they came out on fire and won in a, in a blowout fashion. And I think what, what made the win so special is the Hornets have lost some some close games that they should have won that they didn't win because they didn't rebound. And they stepped and they up they had their best rebounding game on the season. 55 rebounds and a Ow. blowout win. Most impressive stat of the night. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there were a couple things that I saw in this game. Again, Cody Zeller stepping up 5 of 9, but more importantly, 10 of 13 from the line. He was getting to the line, challenging Andre, not afraid to go one-on-one with Andre Drummond, and again, beat him down the floor several times. He finished with 20 points, six rebounds, and didn't, and most importantly, didn't get into foul trouble himself And because that was, the, I think, the biggest danger. That could have turned into a 2020 game with Andre had he fouled him early. Instead, it was Drummond who found himself in foul trouble throughout the game. And I, I thought, 
you know, it was a back-to-back for the Pistons, and they didn't look very energetic. Drummond, Jackson didn't look very energetic. KCP, I thought, played well, and him and Lamb were just trading buckets. I, I was like, did they have a handshake deal before the game? I, listen, they let me get something. mine. Let me get mine. You can get yours. <laughs> it was a weird thing, but especially in that uh, late second, you know, early third, they were really going um, you know, one-to-one with each other. But, yeah, I thought this was a much more physical game on the part of the Hornets. They were making first contact. Another big thing is they were shading Drummond hard. They were basically hard. saying, look, Pistons – you want to shoot threes? That's fine. Go ahead. You know there was always a guy waiting to to double down on Drummond. They did to the Pistons what teams so often do to Big Al, really trying to take away and frustrate Andre Drummond. And boy, did it work! Especially Batum. I thought Batum especially did a great job of a really shading down on Drummond. And it's great because he has those long arms, so he can get over and recover. It didn't work so well for Frank Kaminsky, but. Again, overall, it was a great defensive performance against Andre. I have a question for you. Shoot! And this is what I'm thinking. I don't think Detroit expected uh, Charlotte to actually come out and play and beat them. Granted, they were coming off that back-to-back. I felt like Detroit thought, yeah, the Horns have won some games. Uh, we're gonna, they don't have a big out. I, I think we're going to be all right. I don't think they were expecting that performance. I don't know if the team thought that, but I'll say this in respect to Cody Zeller. When I watched his play against the Bulls and then I rewatched his play against the Pistons, several teams are giving Cody Zeller open looks, legitimately they give them giving them to him. And now he's deciding, look, I'm going to knock these down or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive and I'm going to get physical. And he really has had free run around the court to set these screens nobody's nobody's chipping him nobody's getting physical with him and I think it's all again it's a reputation it's a scouting thing teams and players I think wait for guys to prove they can do this over a three four five game stretch because you have to remember 82 games in a season you can't scout every game deeply you have to take sample sizes and say okay last five games Oh, this guy's legitimate. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna show hard against him, or I'm gonna play well against him, you know. And I think that's what's going to happen with Cody. So his next test is coming up in the next few games. But yeah, I mean, it's weird how teams have just decided. All right, we're gonna see what this kid can do, even though he's been in the league for four years. Leave him out there. And a, a good thing after the game is, as Clifford said, you know, he works hard. Like mm-hmm. I expect this to continue. And boy, if it does, that bodes well going forward. That would be huge for it. And he doesn't have to score 20 points. You know, 20, that's a lot asking for Cody. He can give you 10 or 12, 8 to 10 rebounds consistently. Clifford will take it every game. Absolutely. And I know anyone that owns him in, in fantasy basketball would also take it as well. And with that, it's time for, and it's very short, as always, because, again, no one, and I mean no one, wants to hear about your fantasy team. It's time for the Fantasy Update. Yeah! All right, first, the pickup. This is going to be a weird one, folks, so hang with me. Markeith Morris in Phoenix. And he's only available in about 50 to 60% of leagues, but he's trending down, so why is he the pickup? I think, look, if you've got a roster spot or if you can buy low, 
this may be a guy, if you want to roll the dice, if you're in the bottom half of your league, this may be a guy you want to roll the dice with because there are trade rumors swirling. He's been unhappy in Phoenix since he's been there. If he can get traded to a Houston, if he can get traded and play alongside Anthony Davis in New Orleans, it breathes it will breathe new life into Marquise Morris's game. And we, he's proven that he's a talented player. He can knock down shots and, you know, he can knock down threes. So this could be a guy that you can buy low and really take advantage of in the second half of the year. The drop, got to drop is Smith. Nola is, speaking of New Orleans, he's, uh, they're finally getting healthy. Tyreek Evans, Norris Cole, they're on the way back. Drew Holiday's feeling good. So you probably want to cut ties with Ishmith if you've been riding him here early in the season. The hot, hot hornet, Cody Zeller. We've mentioned him. We've talked about him a little bit, Justin. Last three, 14.3 points, 5.7 rebounds, one assist, one block. That's stat stuffing, folks. 52% from the field, 77% from the free throw line. This is a guy, especially in Roto Leagues, he's not going to kill you in any one category. If you can pick up Cody Zeller, definitely do it. Let's uh, talk about the league, the Hive Talk Live ESPN Roto League. I got to talk about David Walker. He's not here, but I'll talk about him. He, he was He's taking my shade and turning it into major improvement. I finally have to give him props. He's moved into second place from basically dead last after making a league-leading 17 moves. He's moving. He's grooving, folks. And producer Katie sits in third. That means Team Hive Talk Live, one, two, and three, doing well. And uh, Russell and Simon rounding out the top five. In last place, former Podcats host Preston Neal, who has decided to name his team the Charlotte Bobcats, which I'm more than okay with as long as he stays in the basement. That is your fantasy update. Let's preview a little bit of what's coming up for the Hornets. A couple of big games. The schedule... The schedule's been weird, right? Because they've had a lot of home games, which will benefit any team. But they've also played a lot of really good teams. And it continues with games this week against the Miami Heat, a rematch, and the Memphis Grizzlies, who, after starting the year a little poorly, are now finally on track. What do you see? Let's start with the Heat game. How is this Hornets team different now than when they lost to the Heat earlier in the year? And how can that play to their advantage or possibly disadvantage against the Heat? I'll start off, I would go generic and, and say just team chemistry. Um, team chemistry. Um, they've been playing together. Um, you know, they're, they're starting to get a hang of things. Another thing that I like is they're so confident. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were confident to start the year, but but now, like, they're really, they're really starting to buy their own stock. And this may sound crazy to some people. I think they match up well with Miami. Because Big Al won't be playing. Because when they have Big Al, Big Al can't move, and it just doesn't really work for him. But with Cody, this is also a good test. I feel like this game is it's an important game. I feel like you'll be able to see where they stand. I think this is a, a very good test because they lost the first time, and they got to be ready this time. I, I like that point because we saw in that first game against Miami the Heat deciding to pull Hassan Whiteside and take Al Jefferson out of the game. And that's how teams who have beat the Heat have done so. And, and you just look at their last game against the Wizards. The Wizards went super, super, super small, putting Jared Dudley at the five. And and Eric Spolster had no choice but to take out no Hassan choice. Whiteside. And and really, when you look at the Heat, they get so much from Hassan Whiteside because it's not only the interior offense, 
it's that interior defense that they turn into turnovers. And even though they're a slow-paced team overall, because like the Hornets, they really like to get patient in their half-court sets, they turn turnovers into points very easily because they have good transition players. They don't just they just don't utilize it as often as other teams. And we know that the Heat have a great defense. They're uh, 96 overall defensive rating, second in the league. But over the last five games, the Hornets actually have a slightly better defense than the Heat. And I think that's how the Hornets team is different, at least in this short little you know nugget of time, is that. The Hornets have gotten back a little bit to their rebounding and defensive principles, and the three hasn't been falling. I mean, over the past three games, uh, I believe the only game they shot over 30%, I want to say the Bulls game, but it's been it's hovering around 30-29, which is not what they were shooting earlier in the season. And so this is a different team in that they can live on the three, and, but they don't have to die on the three. They don't. And when I came across this, Yesterday, I believe, there are five teams in the NBA that rank in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The Charlotte Hornets are one of the five teams. Right. And and again, I don't think you're, you're not necessarily seeing that game to game. I think you're seeing them play really hot offensively and struggle a little bit defensively in one game and then in the next game they are playing really well defensively and struggling to knock down the three so there's two ways to look at that right you can look at that and go well they're not playing consistently on either side of the floor or you can look at it and go this team has versatility and they can make adjustments on the fly and if the three's not falling they can get more intense on defense or which is not something, uh, I, and you know this because you, you know you're you're there every post game. You know that Steve Clifford. That's not what he wants to hear. He wants them to play intense defense and great rebounding every game. But it's nice when you're not. When some nights you just don't have it, or some nights the matchups aren't in your favor, the threes are going down. And one thing I've liked um, about this team is they've won in a variety of ways. They've won in blowouts, the nice pretty ones that you like to see. And they've also they've also won some games. You know, it, it takes a little grit. It comes down to the last four to five minutes. And they're, they're doing a lot of good. And then, you know, they, they've won the close ones, blowouts, and ugly wins. Because there's some, you know, there's some times they haven't looked good and, and have managed a way to win. And, and, you know, having that variety of win, I feel like it gives you confidence. Because, like you said, sometimes, you know, that three ball might not be falling. But they can say, hey, there have been a few games we didn't shoot the ball from three particularly well, and we still came out on top. Yeah, and, and the team has go-to plays. They have a they have a more set offense, I think, than they did against the Heat. They were still trying to integrate, again, 46% roster turnover, still trying to integrate a lot of guys, still trying to get rotations figured out in those first three games. Now I think Clifford's very set on his rotations. He's very comfortable with the minutes that guys are playing, and so the Heat are going to face a more fully formed Charlotte Hornets team than they did at the beginning of the year. So that's going to be, I think, a really exciting game. And again, the Hornets continuing to play against top four, top five teams in the East. And I'll say this. So they've they've lost to Golden State. They've lost to Cleveland. They've lost to San Antonio. So these are all great teams. 
So, but they've beaten Philadelphia. They've beaten Milwaukee. They've beaten the Bulls twice. I think this Hornets team is settling in to what they're going to be for the rest of the year, which is probably a fifth, sixth seed. And it's nice, honestly, this early in the year for the Hornets to say, all right, this is who we are. You know, they're not an elite team. They're not a top three team in the league, but they'll compete against those teams like they did for a little while in San Antonio and like they did against Cleveland. And they're going to beat the teams they need to beat. And if if they continue to do that, then, you know, again, the Hornets win projections will continue to go up, 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 up. You have to take care of the winnable games. And they're doing that. And I think, too, they're kind of like squirrels right now. They're they're harvesting all of these acorns. They're coming down from the tree here in December and gathering up all of these home wins because you look at January, winter is coming, and they've got to be out on the road. So harvest those acorns while you can, and that way, if if things get a little road-weary in January – this team is in a better position to, to rebound when the home stretches start to come. I think in the past, including this week, the past four weeks, the Hornets have had two or more home games. That's pretty crazy. It's, it's very good, too. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to this second game, uh, and we're also going to get to our overall NBA picks with Nick Denning coming up at 645. But want to take a, a look at this Hornets at Grizzlies game. So this Grizzlies team is... The grit and grind, they haven't changed a lot over the past couple of years. They're still slow-paced. They still like to post up, although their their post-up game hasn't been, and I think a lot of this had to do with their slow start. But if you look at the overall statistics so far this year, small sample size, I know, but the post-up game hasn't been as effective as it has been, and they're one of the top post-up teams. It's like if you're going to do A a lot of the time, then A – better be your A game. And for the Grizzlies, it hasn't been. But this Mario Chalmers guy has been pretty good for them. He has. I've always thought, uh, you know, as what is it, as LeBron and Wade likes to call him uh, Rio. No, Rio never lacked of, of confidence. So, you know, when he puts together some good games, you know, now I'm not shocked. I think, you know, back in his younger, um, younger years when it would happen, you'd kind of scratch your head like 20 points, like, Mario Chalmers, yeah, he he has a pretty good game. He, he's not a bad basketball player. And they, they could use that out there in Memphis. You know, Memphis has even over the past years they just it's just been kind of stale. You know, they they needed some form of of spark or, or new life. And I'm not saying that you know Mario Chalmers is is a hero by any means, but it always helped to to throw a, a new dynamic in there, and they could kind of you know give some good energy in there. Yeah, I think energy is the big thing for them. It's you know he again he's averaging upwards of eleven points, about three assists, a, a couple of rebounds tossed in there. So he's able to do a variety of different things and able to add not only some depth at the point guard position, but a little one-two punch. You can play him along with Connolly because he can shoot the three, and and he can put the ball on the floor and get to the free throw line. And he's added an element, and I think I think getting out from the pressure of playing with LeBron James is freeing to him in a sense. And, and, you know, we, we all saw the gifts and the vines of, of LeBron really giving it to Mario Chalmers at different points in, in, in their time together in Miami. And, you know, I, I think just getting in a different situation, I, I don't know, you know, obviously he played the, he played a little bit without LeBron in Miami, but it just felt like he needed is one of these guys that just needed a change of scenery. 
and he's really thriving on this Grizzlies team. And it's a guy, Mario Chalmers, who has not been kind to Charlotte. He's had some great games as a member of that Miami some Heat team. Ones. So Charlotte has to be careful uh, and, and definitely scout against Mario Chalmers. This game could also be, so we predicted that the big trouble game would be Detroit and, and Andre Drummond, but this could be the real big trouble game. Again, rebounding, they're a, they're a good rebounding team. They've got a lot of size underneath with Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol. It's really going to test Cody because Cody was able to really like get physical with Andre because there, there wasn't a big threat from the line because Drummond can't shoot free throws. He's not really a, a guy that can extend you out. But you've got two guys in Zach Randolph and uh, Marcus Gasol who uh, they'll try to get Cody, you know, confused and switch. And, you know, he's going to have to play a lot smarter more so than physical against this tandem. He's going to work hard, too. Yeah, he's, he's going to sweat. He better going, stay hydrated. Don't get dehydrated again, Cody. We need you. If there's somebody that's going to work hard, it is going to be him. And I think this is, excuse me, I know this is a good test for him. He's going to get some big bodies. Um, you know, Zebo and Mark Gasol, they're grown. They're, they're not young. They're not young men by uh, any stretch of the imagination. And I don't... I don't even know necessarily is it super important if they win. I think for Cody, I think he needs to play well. Mm. Um, despite if they win or lose, if he plays well, like he does well in the defensive end because he's given up some weight. If if he can handle his own, if he can step away and, and hit a few baskets, I think that'll be huge because, I mean, these are two big boys. Cody is, is seven foot. I give him 240. He's thin. Yeah. He is thin, so... You know, hopefully he has the legs, you know, to be able to do something on offense because those big boys, knowing how thin he is, they're going to put him on the block and, and they're going to see what he's made of. But one thing that from watching Cody is there's no, he's not going to back down from anything and he's he's going to bring all that ability. So he's had two good games. I, I think, you know, he's starting to, you know, see the results of, of the hard work that he's put in over the years. So I definitely think this would, this would be a good one. I think this could be a be an ugly game, but I, I think this could, you know, because for the past few years they've played each other tough. It's usually, you know, like a I would say like three to nine point game. That they're usually slow. They not ex not exciting. Last well, last season they had that first game. They had one of the ugliest games. I, I believe it was the both teams were in the sixties. That was one of the ugliest games that I've ever you can personally fall watching them. Yeah, it's one of the ugliest ones I've personally witnessed. It now, won't be interesting. No, I, I think you're right, and I think luckily for the Hornets, they aren't coming into this game, or they won't come into this game, I should say, against the Grizzlies, unprepared for that kind of experience because the Bucks gave them that defensively. That the like the one night that the Bucks played well defensively, it was against the Hornets. And they had that game against Cleveland that was a really physical, uh, really, you know, defensive kind of game. And so it's not like they're having these, you know, 112 to 110 Western Conference type games going into this game and it's going to be a culture shock for them. They're going to come against, and I mean, the Heat. They're, they're going to go against the Heat, who are one of the best defensive teams in the league and one of the more physical teams in the league. So. I think they'll be fully prepared for this game. And as a bonus, they'll be rested. I would like to throw one thing in there. Throw it. Throw it. uh, You know, this afternoon, um, Coach Clifford was talking about Kaminsky, 
Um, Kaminsky played 31 minutes the other night. Getting um, him his, more time. Yeah. His role is expanding. And I think he can be an X factor. Um, Rick Bennell actually asked a question. Of, he was uh, like, Coach, do people, you know, people don't respect uh, Kaminsky shooting the ball from deep. You know, they're going to leave him open. And just from noticing how hard Kaminsky works, um, for example, going into the Golden State game, he stayed 20 to 25 minutes after shoot-around was over just getting up shots of his own. Um, and I can see he's putting in the work because now when you watch Kaminsky on the floor, he's not shy. If he gets to look and they give it to him, He's going to take it. He's not shy, but I will say this, and this really got exposed against Detroit, is that I think as a rookie, he's still trying to figure out how fast guys can close out. Because, you know, when you're a rookie, for the most part, you're seeing, unless you you go up against another fantastic rookie, you're seeing guys for the first time. And so, especially against Detroit, we saw a lot of... Frank Kaminsky, pump fakes, put the ball on the floor, and he had a little bit of that Cody Zeller in his rookie year syndrome where he puts the ball on the floor and really doesn't have a plan about what's going to happen, and that normally results in either a bad shot or a turnover. And so uh, that's not necessarily a criticism, just more so an an observation of what it's like to be a rookie. You're seeing every look essentially for the first time because the speed is different, the, the, the way guys will... They'll fake closeouts, and, and you have to determine in a split second whether a guy is really coming to close out on you or whether he just wants to show you that look and, and scare you out of the shot. And I think there were a couple times in that game against Detroit where they scared him out of a shot. His release is a, a tad slow, but there were a couple of looks that he could have gotten up, but I felt like he got sort of duped into putting the ball on the floor, which is, I don't think, he, he just doesn't have that strength and you just practice yet of putting the ball on the floor and getting in the lane. Although he did have one silky sweet post move. I don't. I can't remember if he put it on. I don't think he put it on Drummond, but he put it on somebody. And it was a really nice shot by Frank. And again, proving what Clifford has said that Kaminsky does have a nice post game. He just hasn't had the opportunities yet to put it on display. Exposure is best. Just throw him out there. And and to Clifford's credit, he's finally giving Kaminsky that leash where, I mean, he had several uh, issues closing out on Ilyasova against Detroit, but it took three or four of those boo-boos for Clifford to finally pull him and, and put in Spencer. And so that's what you want to see. You want to see him getting a little bit more of a leash. And, you know, Frank knows that uh, I saw him one time after after missing like a third straight closeout on Ilyasova just hang his head like he knows and that's good. Uh, you want to see that. You want to see a guy, and he would come in later in the game and knock down a three. So He cares. Yeah, exactly. He cares. He knows and he cares, and those are all good things for the rookie Frank Kaminsky. And, and I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities because, again, he has basketball IQ. Like, he knows the game. So he's not – he's becoming less and less of a liability. He's not necessarily – a huge strength for the team yet and may not be for another year, but he's not a, a, an extreme liability. I agree a hundred percent. Let's talk about let's shift gears. We've talked a lot of in-depth basketball, which we love to do. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Jersey sales. 
I have. I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little. I've been waiting to do this segment for a while because I have some philosophical issues with buying jerseys because I feel like as an investment they're a little tenuous. You know, I mean, you don't want to get stuck with uh, there. There were people that got stuck with a few jerseys last season that bought them, and so I just wanted to go through a couple of names and, and let's just kind of talk this out. And I've got my, our good friend who who's. In just a smidge early, so I want to bring him in. Nick Denning, writer for At The Hive. Nick, how you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. I wanted to bring you in for this segment because I feel like I feel like as a man who has been dunked on by a, an actual NBA player, <laughs> I don't know why that would give you any extra insight into this, Nick, but I just felt like it would. <laughs> so we're going to talk about jersey purchases because we're coming up on Christmas and, and people are buying jerseys for their uh, brothers and their sisters and their significant others. And I just want to give people a little bit of an idea of which jerseys are safe. We'll call them buys or which jerseys are not so safe. We'll call them weights. All right. So we're going to start with Kimball Walker. I feel like guys, that's a pretty safe buy. What do you think, Justin? Completely safe. That's a completely Charlotte safe buy. Charlotte loves Kimball Walker. And he's here for a while and it doesn't look like, I mean, he's on, he's, they've blown his picture up. <laughs> on the side of Time Warner Cable Arena. Like, this is a guy, if there's any safer buy, I don't know what it is. Face of the franchise. You agree, Nick. You have to agree. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's a safe pick. Very safe. All right, let's get to one that may not, probably the least safe in my mind. Well, I'll ask you guys, who do you think is a least safe? Because I've seen, the, these are all jerseys that I've seen in the uh, online or in the team store, what, what have you. Less safe buy, Nick Batum or Jeremy Lin. What's a least? What's the least safe buy? Because I saw some people wearing some Nick Batum jerseys, and I'm like, "You guys are confident. That's confidence." I don't know if I'm going with a Nick Batum jersey. Nick, who's who's least safe? Nick Batum or Jeremy Lin? Which which one are you going? Oh, okay, we may need to wait a few months on this purchase. I'm I'm gonna also say Batum. I mean, it's I mean for the. For the fact that he's got one year remaining, Lynn's got two. I mean, I know Lynn's got the, the option, but that's, I mean, there's still more, a little bit more security. Technically, Lynn's here longer. I like that. And Lynn has, Lynn has spoken on like he likes the environment. And I know when, when Clifford got extended, there were some comments by Nick that he really liked Clifford and that could possibly weigh in his decision. But I think that just the comments from Lynn about liking the situation, because we know that. Jeremy Lin wasn't a big fan of of some of his previous destinations. And I think if you're a Lin fan, you're going to buy the jersey. You want the history. You want you want the 7 jersey in Charlotte, you want the 7 jersey in New York and Houston LA. It's a collectible, it's a thing. He has a huge fan base. So I think if you're a Jeremy Lin fan, you're going to buy the jersey anyway. Why wait? I'm going Jeremy Lin buy there and, and I think you guys are right. The, the, the least safe bet at this point is probably Nick Batum. All right, here's another kind of on the fence one. Al Jefferson. Are we are we buying this jersey or are we waiting just a little longer? Absolutely not. You're do waiting not on this. Buy the Al Jefferson You're jersey. waiting on this. Why do you say that, Justin? I this is all speculation, but I solely believe this is Al Jefferson's last year in Charlotte. I his legs are getting bad. Granted he lost some weight. The game is was transitioning, and he's up in age. There's a lot of mileage on him. I don't see Charlotte bringing him back. 
Granted, now say, I mean, something falls out the sky and they have a change of heart. Not saying I know anything, but I'm, I'm letting the ship sail on Al Jefferson. Now, every time they, the, the team gets a chance to talk about Al Jefferson, they talk about his ability to draw double teams and how important that is on an NBA basketball team. Nick, is that going to be enough? Should that be enough security for, for a Hornets fan who really loves Al Jefferson and wants that 2-5 jersey, that Buzz City Knights jersey of, of Al Jefferson? Are you buying this or are you waiting? I'm waiting, too. I mean, you know, last year, last year I would have been sold on it because at least you get two years on it. But, no, I'm, I'm with Justin. I don't, like, there's just too much up in the air about what happens. And, you know, just a little little thing, Jefferson has, I'm pretty sure Jefferson has never played for a team for more than three seasons. So it's, you know, I'm not saying, like, that's going to, that's guaranteed to continue, but, it, you know, it would be just the continuation of a trend throughout his career. And, yeah, I, I mean, it really just depends on how he's playing at the end of the season. I mean, if, if it's, if it looks like, okay, maybe we could bring him back on a two-year deal or something like that with the player option, that could be enough. That, that, that could certainly happen, but I, I'm, I'm waiting on this. Well, you have to also factor in 4-0 because if he gets more yeah. comfortable in that five spot, that may be the, the four-out one-in. If he can play, and he erased two shots against Detroit, so if he can become you know, an at-the-rim threat, uh-oh. Then you start to see the team probably thinking, okay, how we can evolve. We can evolve beyond, and especially if Nick Batum continues you know, his all-star trend and they can bring him back. Then you start talking about Nick Batum as a possible guy who could draw a double team, at least when he curls around that, that screen. <laughs> Don't foul him. Double team him. Do something. Uh, okay, so uh, we're, we're, we're pretty solid on the wait for the Al Jefferson jersey. This one... Could be controversial, and, and I, I I need to talk to Nada about this because I think Nada got this this jersey. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Is this a buy or a wait? We'll start with Justin. I believe you buy it because he he brings a a certain grit. He he represents like a an effort, a a hustle, a grit. I think he, you know, almost like, you know, relating to the Panthers of, of being like that defensive of juggernaut and mm-hmm. and stout. I feel like Kid Gilchrist does that. Like you have Kimba, the face, and you have Kid Gilchrist, like the enforcer behind him. And I think you get that jersey. What say you, Nick? Uh, I get it too. I mean, no question. No, I mean, really, no up. question. Yeah. No question. Here's- yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, I, I just think, I mean, we're, we're, I know we got the injury issue here, but I mean, there's like, whether, whether, whether or not, how much, you know, if, if injuries, injuries continue to be a problem, even throughout this, in the next few years, I mean, it's still worth having the Jersey because everyone who sees you with that Jersey and who knows who Michael Keith Gilchrist is, is going to know, you know, they, they understand it. They, they, they all understand why you got the Jersey. That's an interesting point, and it, and it could be a good buy just for the the history's sake of this franchise because he really represents, you know, a big part of what this franchise has been. But I think I think you can't gloss over the the injury concerns at this point because I think right now the the questions around his injuries are overshadowing the the extension that he got, and, and I think Look, that that if you're just looking at how much use or or how much am I going to get to wear this jersey and and it m- makes sense that hey this guy's on the floor playing for this team 
I think you may, there, there are safer buys. I won't necessarily say wait. I'll kind of ride the fence on this one, guys, and say there are safer buys. Uh, final one here. Look, well, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to make a comparison. I, I, my, the first jersey I ever bought was actually an Arsenal soccer jersey. And I got a Jack Wilshire jersey. I have no idea if you're familiar with him or whatnot, but he's a very young player, very talented player. He also gets hurt a ton. It's fitting that the, that the E in Wilshire is falling off the jersey because he's always hurt. But <laughs> it's a jersey that represents that if he's ever able to you know, meet his potential, man, watch out. I mean, it's going to be something else. So that's, that's, I think it's the same thing. My, if Michael Gilchrist can, can stay healthy and realize his potential, that jersey's worth it. Man, soccer fans really got a lot out of that statement. I have no idea what you're talking about, but soccer fans really, they were they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? Uh, final one, Byron Mullins. Just kidding. <laughs> Justin's, Justin's eyes bulge. You're like, what? I didn't prepare for this one. Uh, no. Uh, you know what one, I, I, I didn't really go over this one, but it's probably the one I want right now is a Jeremy Lamb. You can't really get the swingman version yet. For whatever yeah. reason, you can get the authentic one, uh, but I, you know, I'm I'm a swingman guy, um, and you know, if I were going to buy a jersey, I, I like the th- I like the number three. I like Jeremy Lamb. I like his game. He's here for a while. He's gonna grow. Um, yeah. and, and shooting is in now. You know, everybody wants to wants to be a shooter now. Yeah. You know, look at Steph Curry. Look what he's done right now. Everybody wants to be a shooter, and Lamb can shoot it. So not everybody is athletic enough to, to dunk and do all types of things above the rim. But you can always work hard and have a good jump shot, and that's relatable. I do believe um, eventually people are going to start to buy that jersey. Uh, this was a great discussion, guys, and I hope that it helped uh, the listeners out there with some of their Christmas purchasing decisions. I, you know, we're just trying to serve the listener uh let's do these nba picks pretty quick yes nicholas did you have something well i was gonna say final I, I, thought. I have one this is, a, this is a real jersey i hope you're prepared for this would I, you buy or I'm wait not. on a lance stevenson bobcats jersey i've seen it <laughs> Wait, what? Well, who would do that why uh it's like that's the most like hipster I, 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 ironic uh, it's so funny because it's Lance and it's Bobcats. It, 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 it's a real thing. I've seen it. I've seen it in a discount department store. I couldn't believe it. Wait it, a minute! Oh, this is something. No, no, somebody didn't custom make this. No, 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 no. I, I found like five of them. What? I would buy those just for, <laughs> just for, just to take a picture of them and then burn them, just to say they existed, but then to make them not exist anymore. That's interesting. Thank you. That's a good Nick fact yeah. right there. Once he found five Maybe. Lance Stevenson. I, I, I think that as soon as you walked away, they just sort of turned into dust and flew away. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what happened. All right, let's get to these uh, NBA picks really quick because I have a good NBA topic that I'd like to get your opinions on. Uh, David's picks. Uh, by the way, he is 12-6 and six overall. He went 1-2 and two last week. He is uh, mailed, emailed through electronic mail. His picks for this week – Miami at Indy is going to be his national TV game. He's taking Indianapolis. The league pass special, Portland at Phoenix. He's going with Portland and his Hornets lock. Hornets uh, at, or excuse me, he's taking uh, the Hornets against the Celtics. That's his lock. Nick, your picks. Um, by, let's see, my league pass special is uh, Cleveland versus Orlando on Friday. You know, both teams, you know, Cleveland's obviously, a, you know, 
front runner in the East, but Orlando's playing pretty well right now. I am taking Cleveland, though, on the road. Uh, national TV game, New York versus Sacramento, strictly because it's Chris Dapperzingis and DeMarcus Cousins. That's that's all I need to watch that game. That's amazing, um, and right? And that's pretty amazing that, that you yeah. would you could pick those two teams, and I went, yeah, all right. Like, last <laughs> team, you would have went, yeah. what? Amazing. Yeah, so I'm taking Sacramento at home. And then um, Hornets lock, I'm also going with David uh, with uh, the, against Saturday against Boston. I, I I like all of those picks. I think you went you went pretty safe, but I like all of those picks. Uh, national TV game for me. Oh, by the way, Nick, you went two and one last week, and you are twelve and six overall, tied with David. You got that game back on David. I all went. Silly. I went one and two. I got my Hornets lock against Detroit. Uh, unlike you fools who went with the Warriors for some reason, uh, I, but I am ten and eight. I went one and two. I lost both of the other games. Uh, national TV game. I'm going Miami at Indiana. Uh, Friday, 7 o'clock p.m., I'm going with Indianapolis as well, just like David. League pass special, San Antonio against Toronto. Two just really good teams, really fun teams to watch. San Antonio over the last five games, like 109 offensive rating, 88 defensive rating. I mean, they are just slugging teams right now. I'm going with San Antonio in that game. And then finally, my Hornets lock. I think I think you guys are underplaying Boston a little bit. I think that's going to be a weird matchup for the Hornets. I'm going uh, instead... With Miami, I think the Hornets get some retribution at home against Miami on Wednesday. That's my Hornets lock. I want to get to this NBA topic before we have to go, though. Uh, so uh, Philadelphia, we talked a lot about the process. Uh, we had our good friend uh, MKB, Michael Kasky Blomain, who writes for Philly.com on a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about tanking and sort of the, the philosophy behind that. So the Philadelphia 76ers have hired uh, Jerry Colangelo, uh, to basically, I, I mean, there's conflicting reports. Is he assisting Sam Hinkie? Is he over Sam Hinkie? Uh, there's just a lot of things up in the air. We can talk about that, but what I really want to talk about is this report that came out today that Adam Silver and the owners may have uh, colluded or or forced this thing to happen. I, I just think it's the most interesting storyline. I, I guess the question is, are you guys okay with with Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, and the owners of the, of the other t- NBA teams basically getting together and saying, look, these guys can't stink anymore. This is, no, this is bad for the league. Justin. I, that's a very good idea. It's it's bad enough people have to just knock on the NBA that teams don't work hard. And, you know, the, the college basketball game, they work harder, and the NBA is, is just lazy, and they don't care. They're, they're playing for a check. And these guys have been awful since they've been awful forever as of late. Something has to be done. There's no way that this can continue. Something has to be done. Nick, we said it on this segment, on this show, that this whole situation in Philly, something was going to happen. We didn't know what it was, but we we speculated that Adam Silver would step in in some capacity. It looks like he has. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I think I am. I'm, I'm reading, kind of reading through this because I, I saw the headline last night about that. I mean, it's like, I guess the, the really depends kind of, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it, just what, how, what Colangelo's role is going to be. Um, and is he, it, does he kind of, I mean, they say, I think he has final say. I don't think but, he has I mean, final it, say. No, I, I mean, that's the thing. And Colangelo and, and is just a different, he's a different basketball mind. I think he is, I mean, 
I think Hinky was prepared to go with this process route for as long as it took. And I think the league, um, you know, and Silver are just, you know, they're saying, look, we can't, you guys can't do this. At a certain point, things have to, you have to show, you know, some kind of progress, you know. Um, I mean, I guess it's it's tough. It's a tough situation though, because you know, if 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 the league did you know come in and and make this happen, you know, what's the difference between this and say vetoing that Chris Paul deal? I mean, what like yeah. what lines are we drawing here? Well, and so that, that's, and, I don't know. It's, yeah, and that and that's what Ziller, uh, Tom Ziller, our our friend over at uh, SBNation.com and SBNation NBA wrote that this was similar to that situation where Stern stepped in, or the really the owners stepped in and and made Stern do something about that trade and, and and Ziller's take was that both of those situations were um I don't know I, I'm not going to put words in his mouth and say bad for the league but he certainly was was against both of those moves and, and I'll say this do I think that Silver and the owner stepping in and and having that much say over another team is on the up and up I don't know I've seen tweets out there that say that there were clauses that allow this to happen I'll say this whatever means needed to happen for a change to happen in Philadelphia, I think is a good thing because this was getting to the point where, where I felt like it was not only tarnish. I'm sure it was tarnishing revenues, but I think it was just tarnishing the the, the league's image as a whole, and and it, it's an embarrassment to me on the league. So I'm totally okay w- with this maneuver, uh, despite some of the moral ambiguities. Uh, that go along with Silver and the owner stepping in and having this much control over another franchise, and and I think ultimately even folks who don't who really trust the process and who really like to see the direction that this team is heading, uh, which is down, uh, I think eventually it's like Silver and the owners are doing this for their own good. Trust me, Philadelphia fans. In the long run, you'll thank Jerry Colangelo and whatever is happening there because what, the status quo was was not very good and, and and it wasn't a fun basketball experience for uh both the Philly fans and, and any fans of any team that that had to watch a game against Philadelphia it was just there's got to be something else there's got to be another level of bad a slightly better level of bad that they can play at that that is ex- at least you know an acceptable level of competition well, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for both of your opinions on that. And I think it, it really deserves probably its own podcast. But but I thought we did, uh, you know, a valuable yep. enough job there. Um, Nick, thanks for for joining us as always. And and Justin, thanks for uh, being our guest host. I enjoyed stepping being in. Here. You did a great. Well, listen, your your opinions are great, and you're you're always around the team, and you're always the the, the tweets that you have during the live uh, game are, are always great. so. I uh, encourage uh, folks to follow you on Twitter at jtyree704. That'll do it for us Hornets fans. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hype Talk Live for live game updates and so much more. Go to at thehype.com for all the latest news and analysis for David, Nick, and producer Katie. I'm Doug saying, stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.